Hi guys, I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. Thank you so much for coming to join me this Friday on Vibing and Valentino. Okay, I gotta tell you guys all about my weekly weakness because I just found out I was on Netflix and I actually have to use a VPN for it because it's not on the Thai Netflix, but it is on the like US Netflix. Not complaining, but I think we have like a lot of other shows and stuff that you guys don't have so you know it's a trade-off but once you get vpn the world is your oyster so i have been obsessed with re-watching girlfriends on netflix i am on season two right now that's what i've been obsessed with it's been on like all day all night if you guys are looking for like a huge hit of nostalgia i really recommend you guys re-watching this show it's so good okay before we get into the conversation with our guest of the week, and it is a spicy episode all about self-love yet again, we are heavy onto sex and fitness so far in season three and like clean eating, but um, yeah, I mean, it is a lifestyle podcast, so we're going to cover everything under the sun. So before we get into it, um, I just want to remind you that you guys can purchase my eight-week workout program, Vibing Strong. You guys can purchase my workout equipment set. It's called the Goodie Bag. You guys get two core sliders and a super heavy booty band. And you guys can also purchase this new black cutout swimsuit. I wore the very same model in one of my Instagram pictures. It's the cheat meal picture with the huge pizza by the pool. You guys, that swimsuit is so fucking pretty, and it's, like, just so sexy. I have some listeners down in Australia and New Zealand, so this is perfect for you guys because it's almost summer. That shit is hot. I love it. I love that swimsuit, and it comes in black, and I have sizes small, medium, and large. I wear a small, um, but I can definitely see... Some of my girls have ordered mediums, and I, I definitely feel like I could... Put, probably fit into both especially if you're like a little bit heavy in the boob area like I am so yeah and also if you guys want to book a one hour consult with me all about fitness nutrition a life venting ranting kind of a call it'll be done via zoom you guys can do all that on my website vibinginvalentino.com okay let's get right into our episode Our guest this week is a certified somatic sex educator and coach, a school of consent teacher and training, a Betty Dodson body sex and orgasm coach, sexological body worker, and she is the founder of the Joyful Self Love Institute. Amy Weisfeld, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Hey, Nicole, thanks so much for having me. Can you tell us about yourself, where you're from, all the basics? I am originally from Buffalo, New York. Okay. A suburban, white girl, middle class, <laughs> you know the drill, you know the story. <laughs> um, and maybe like some of your listeners, I suffered from body shame. I remember taking pictures, family pictures, my mother telling me to suck in my stomach. I remember being told... Um, you know, not to eat those cookies mm -hmm. or, you know, things like that. So my my route into the work that I do was really a healing journey of my own. I was pretty dissociated and um, not connected with my body mm -hmm. and feeling like 
I was having good sex and I was a lot of things, Nicole. I was really late to this party. It wasn't until I was in my early 40s, I'm 50 now, um, that I realized that I was allowing society to define me. So like I was an entrepreneur and I was happy and I was an elected official and I was, I had, I had a successful career and I was a mother and a wife and a fierce friend and all these wonderful things that society said, you know, this is what you should be, Amy. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, this is what you're going for. This is the brass ring. Yeah. And I kind of had all of those things and realized I was missing something. I, I had allowed along the way, I had allowed connection to myself, my sensuality, my sexuality to be stolen. And I just didn't know it, you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of woke up one day and went like, holy shit, what's going on? Why am I not happy? What's missing, right? Um, so that's, you know, that's a little bit about me. I wanted to ask you, you know, about the work you do as a somatic sex educator and coach, because that's completely different than the run of the mill sex coach, right? Yeah. So basically a somatic sex educator and coach is a body-based approach to sexual Mm -hmm. health and wellness. So the way that I describe it to people is as a sort of sex therapy for the body. And, um, and my life goal is just to empower women and really all people to enjoy the pleasure of, of our own bodies. Mm -hmm. Like we have this power to transform ourselves into healthier, authentic, and and loving beings Mm -hmm. really through pleasure by Mm -hmm. tapping into our sexual power and letting go of these culturally induced stereotypes and repression. And, um, so like my whole goal is just to help people see and believe in their own beauty, you know? Do you think that the lack of positive body image um, has something to do with the fact that women enjoy sex less than men? We're going to touch on this topic even more a little later, but, you know, I just have to ask now. um, Because we've been really taught to always not be completely happy with our bodies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could say that again. You know what I mean? I feel like... Is that one of the factors where women maybe don't achieve orgasm as much as men do? Oh, totally. Yeah, there's a huge orgasm gap. And that's something that we're starting to hear more and more about. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Mm -hmm. that there's something like uh, men orgasm, I want to say like, you know, 95% of the time and women at something like 60 yeah percent of the time so um yeah. don't quote me there's a the author of that book becoming clitorate um why orgasm equality matters her name is Lori mintz and uh so those studies came those that that information came from her i um, love that word clitorate yeah super <laughs> important yes we need to embrace our our anatomy and understand yeah. what it is that makes us you know light up and radiate an orgasm yeah and pleasure 100 percent Tell us about the Joyful Self-Love Institute that you founded. Yeah, so um, the Joyful Self-Love Institute works with uh, people all over the world um, of all genders, sexual orientations, shapes, sizes, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And we run uh, a lot of different workshops. My favorite workshop is called Body Sex. And it's based on Betty Dodson's work. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody, have you ever seen Gwyneth Paltrow has this show called The Goop Labs on Netflix? Have um, you ever seen that show, Nicole? I think I glazed over it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a There's little a... bit. Yeah. 
there's like there's different some, episodes with like one with like ayahuasca and stuff right so right yeah, totally yeah, yeah. yeah totally yeah so so in that show if you have the time like watch episode three because okay. episode three is called the pleasure is ours okay and it focuses on betty dodson's body sex workshop which is one of the workshops that we do at the joyful self-love institute mm-hmm. um and it's amazing it's so amazing um just around reclaiming ourselves and our bodies and our orgasm and our pleasure. So that's one of the things that, that we do that I do at Joyful Self Love. And then I also coach um, people one-on-one. And um, a lot of that coaching focuses on masturbation coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and other parts and pieces of it focus on ditching body shame and reclaiming ourselves and our pleasure in, in various ways. So you're also more like a body image coach as well, would you say? I would say that body having a healthy body image is crucial to having a healthy sex life. Mm. And I would say having a healthy sex life is crucial to having a happy whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's it's like um, you know how you could toss a toss a stone into a still pond, and there are all these concentric ripples that mm-hmm. come off of that. Yeah. So that's what sex is like. Like when you start to work on your sex life all of these ripples, all of these concentric ripples come off of that. And, and so many things in your life change. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's why I do the work. Cause it has a huge, people think they're, they're working on one little thing. Like, Oh, I just got to fix this one little thing in my sex life. But then it ends up having these huge ramifications. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, interconnected parts of, of, of self love. I would say, totally. cause you can't love totally. yourself if you have a negative body image. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. No, all that self, all that self hate and, and negative talk that we give ourselves. Like I always say to people, would you talk to your best friend that way? You know? And, and for most people, it's the answer is no, I wouldn't. Well, you know, you are your best friend. Yeah. Stop talking to yourself that way. Yeah. 100%. Why do you think that it's so important for women to start opening up and have discussions about masturbation? Because this is not, you know, it's still a little, people are still mostly shy, maybe about having the conversations if they're not, you know, me and you. Yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about anything, girl. <laughs> but I know it's great. Like have a glass of wine and sit down with yeah. your best friends because, you know, this is the real shit. This is the real stuff of life. Right. And um, I mean, it's just like sometimes the men in our lives don't get it done. So how, how can we normalize having that conversation? Well, I mean, in fairness to men, like, how can they possibly know what we need or want if we're not telling them, right? That's true. I mean, you know, they can't read our minds and they have their own really narrow constructs of what it means to be a man, right? Just as we have these really narrow constructs of what it means to be female, like there's this sort of Madonna whore complex. You're either one or the other and Mm -hmm. there's so little in between, which is just, which is just complete garbage, right? Like. There's a million, there's a million shades of gray in between those two extremes. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important for women to talk to each other, for us to talk to our girlfriends because we, we see each other in our stories. Mm-hmm. We learn from each other, we uplift and uphold each other. And um, in a way that, that, you know, that men can't, they just can't do that for us or with us. Yeah. Because they don't have the experience of being female. Being a vulva owner in this world is very different than being a <laughs> penis owner, you know? So. Yeah. 
And so they yeah. don't understand the intricacies that go into it when it comes to the other sex. For sure, for sure. And, and I'm going to both 100% agree with you mm-hmm. and also caution. Like, I 100% agree with you because not only are our structures a little bit different, but um, our experiences of being in the world is different. Like, uh-huh. as women, we're, we're really, most of us are taught to be pleasers. We're taught to say yes even when we want to say no. Yeah. We're, like, sort of groomed to put other people's needs in front of our own, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of that means that we don't, uh, we don't prioritize ourselves, which means we don't prioritize our pleasure. Yeah. And so that, I agree with you 100%, very different. But the other piece of it, Nicole, that sometimes people forget or don't realize, again, coming back to sort of anatomy a little bit, mm-hmm. is that every, every penis grows from a clit. Every penis grows from a clitoris. Like yeah. when you look at what were the structures in utero, those are the same. Yeah. And so like our outer labia, that's the same as a guy's, you know, ball sack. Like in a lot of ways, the genital tissue is the genital tissue and it's all it's all kind of the same. Mm. It's just ours is internal. It's like having a belly button. Do you have an innie or an outie? Yeah. You know, <laughs> Volvo owners, we have innies. Penis owners, they have outies. <laughs> Outies and just out and about. <laughs> yeah. Literally out and yeah. about. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I've never heard of anybody comparing it that way, but that is that is very hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Glad you like it. <laughs> Do you think there's an age that is too young to start masturbating and exploring that side of your physical body? Oh, that's such a good question. With women specific. I know maybe guys... Um, tend to start earlier anyway, but for women. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think it's just about like the accessibility of those body parts and no babies explore the world. Most (laughs) babies, most babies wreck, like they start to touch themselves or their sex organs, you know, and they're like, Ooh, this feels good. Yeah. They think it's like a button. (laughs) Exactly. It's the joy button. That's so funny. So no, I don't think it's, I don't think any age is too early. Hopefully what we're taught, and this is not true for most of us, but like in an ideal world, Mm -hmm. I would love for us just to be taught like, Hey, we, that's cool. That feels good for you. You go for it, honey. But we do that in private. Yeah. (laughs) We don't do it at the dining room table. (laughs) We don't do it at the cheesecake factory, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Imagine. But I mean, unfortunately, most of us are just told not to do that, right? Yeah. Like, that's inappropriate. That's dirty. Don't yeah. touch there. You yeah. know, yeah. that's the beginning of all of this shame yeah. and guilt. So, um, yeah, if, if, if only, right? yeah. if, then that's another reason we have to talk to each other because, like, masturbation is healthy, it's normal. It's good for you. It releases all kinds of feel-good chemicals, Mm -hmm. helps your heart, loosens your joints. I mean, really, it's good for you. Mm -hmm. I have to ask, and this is not in the list of questions I gave you, but I have to, just for my personal um, sanity, um, does using, like, vibrators and stuff dull your senses? Because why are people telling me that? Like, once you use, like, like, vibrators, you can't, like, it's like, you've dulled your nerves endings there or um, something. It's a good question. So here, here's, here's my honest answer. I personally am a 
fucking vibe queen. Yeah. I love, love, love my vibrators, especially Hitachi's magic wand. And and, and, shout out. (laughs) There's a reason it's on the New York Times, you know, top 100 inventions of all time list. So, and I will say my own experience, like, I was having good sex, but I thought that I wasn't orgasming in my 20s and even my 30s. Yeah. And um, it turns out I was. I was orgasming, but they weren't like these huge Meg Ryan, you know, I mean, this probably predates you because you're like when Harry met Sally, do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they weren't like that, you know, they were more like, you know, small little peaks. I actually called them peaks. Like I would get to a point and it would feel good. And then it, I would just like fall off the cliff and that was it. Um, and it wasn't until I met the magic wand that that changed for me. My whole life changed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that some of us need more vibration than we can get manually. Okay. So I am definitely not one to shame anybody who uses a vibrator. Now, that said, can we become dependent on vibrators? Sure. Yeah. You could numb yourself out by using the vibrator too much and be less um, in tune with the sensation of your hand on your clit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's true. But do I give a fuck? No, I don't. (laughs) Because I'm going to reach for that power tool each and every time because I deserve to have the orgasm that I want, the yeah. biggest and best orgasm that I can have. Yeah. So, um, and I think it's important to, it's kind of like what I say to people who are really into porn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes porn, it'll like desensitize you a little bit. Yeah. And so you'll have trouble getting off without the porn. And so what I tell people is to kind of go back and forth a little bit and play with like being mindful and in your body without the porn and then go back to the porn, go back to the fantasy and kind of go pendulate back and forth. Okay. Okay. And I would say the same, I would give you the same advice that um, if you're really into your vibrator, by all means use the vibrator, but don't use it exclusively. Okay. Go pendulate back and forth between just the feeling of like, what is it like to be in my body at this moment being mindfully aware of like just fingers or breath right on the clit mm-hmm. or on the vulva and then go back to the vibrator. Got it. So there's different kinds of orgasms. I did not know that. Yes, there are different kinds of orgasms. My personal belief is that all orgasms or maybe almost all orgasms are clitoral orgasms. So Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, you know, we, we tend to think of the clitoris as being like this tiny little button, right? The part that you can see the outside glands, that nub. And the truth is that that's like the tip of the iceberg. Most of the clitoris is inside. Again, it's that any, it's the, it's the internal penis. Mm -hmm. And those structures, um, like the legs of the clitoris come down around, um, the vaginal opening. When you are talking about a G-spot orgasm, you're, you've got this sort of, you can't see me, I know, but I'm doing this, like, come in their motion with my fingers, where I'm like, you know, I've got two fingers and they're curling upwards, and mm-hmm. that's, that's to access the, the G-spot, which is on the upper wall of the vagina, really kind of, for many people, like an, a, a centimeter or so in, not very far in. Mm-hmm. But that structure is also surrounded by the clitoris. So yes, many different kinds of orgasms, and I happen to be one of those people that believe that they're all affected by okay. the clitoris. 
She's the queen. Exactly. She's the queen, and she <laughs> likes to be adored. <laughs> Let's go back to that porn topic just a little bit, but how else yeah. do you think that porn has influenced how we view sex over over the years? Because things are getting more and more graphic as the years progress. <laughs> yeah, things are getting more and more graphic, but they're also at the same time getting more and more mono. Like you see the same thing over and over, unless it's, unless it's directed by, by um, a female, by a woman. Then the, then the porn, I think, is a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. But most of us are watching porn that's made by and for men. Yeah. And so you see women having these, you know, orgasms during penetration. Yeah. And again, most of us don't orgasm from penetration alone. Right. Most of us need clitoral, external, additional clitoral stimulation. Right. So um, I think that porn has done women in particular a huge disservice. Right. Because they, um, they make us think that we're supposed to be having these grand old orgasms when we're like, what is wrong with us? <laughs> That we exactly from from penetration, and, yeah. and not only that, but most—I mean, half the time—the women aren't even orgasming. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you don't—that's not prioritized because mm-hmm. you know the men who are watching the porn may not care. Right. Um. So, and the other thing that I think is very mono is the type of woman and the type of vulva that you see. So, I mean, we were talking earlier about body shame, but vulva shame is a is a huge growing epidemic right now like um, labiaplasty is the fastest growing surgery in the United States and and maybe the world it used to be nose jobs it used to be rhinoplasty yeah and now it's now it's labiaplasty like oh my god that's wild it's crazy it's it's totally crazy that women are having their they're going in for this elective surgery to cut off like dangling inner lips which is kind of a misnomer because sometimes those inner lips are actually hanging outside yeah They're not always tucked inside and nice and neat. It's not always this little clamshell of a vulva like you yeah. see in most of the porn. Yeah, and also so. in a lot of the books as as, as kids and sex ed, everything just looks nice and glossy and, like, perfect. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And think about all those fashion magazines, right? Mm-hmm. Do those women actually look like that, or are they airbrushed and, um, you know, completely redone with uh, Photoshop. And it's, and it's the same thing for vulvas. Like every vulva is, our vulvas are like um, fingerprints or like our eyes and noses. Like we all have the same parts and pieces, but they all look a little different. Right. And a vulva is the same way. And, and the secret is that there's beauty in that uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And most of us have a hard time understanding that. Yeah. And, And we don't, we don't get that until you know, maybe never, but many times till much later in life. So yeah. hopefully that's something your, you know, your younger listeners will hear is like, just fucking lay down that shame about your, about your pussy. Like yeah. it's beautiful just the way it is. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And guys are going to love it no matter what. <laughs> exactly. And if there's a guy who's telling you otherwise, like fucking lose that. Yeah. Dish, you know, <laughs> he is not worthy. He is not worth your time. No, not at all. As a professional, how do you approach topics like fetishes and taboo with your clients? I, to be honest, I highly encourage um, variety in all kinds of sex. And ultimately, sex is about pleasure and play. Mm -hmm. So I encourage people to be curious Mm -hmm. and to be experimental and 
for many people, it's about laying down again, like these sort of cultural stereotypes of what it is to be sexual or of what it is like, like for many people, you know, you're not supposed to like, if you're a feminist, for example, Mm -hmm. which I am a pretty ardent feminist, I'm not supposed to like being submissive. Yeah. Well, I do. I love being submissive. And the reason is because I'm so dominant in all these other areas of my life that Mm -hmm. I just want somebody else to take control, you know, like just tell me what to do. Yeah. Um, And that's a huge turn on for me. And so I, again, I encourage people to lean into whatever play feels good for them, as long as it's consensual, meaning Mm -hmm. there's agreement between the two or more parties. Yeah. And, um, and no one's no one's getting hurt. Like even pain is a fetish, right? Some people are really into that. That's not that's not personally my thing. Yeah. But uh, but I do like being tied up because it makes me have to pay attention. Yeah. It keeps my monkey brain from yeah. wandering. <laughs> so you know, like all there's all kinds of different um, different things that people can lean into, and it's all totally normal. Mm-hmm. Like whatever your fetish is, there's somebody else out there who shares that exact same thing. Yeah. So you think it's more helpful to normalize these fetishes rather than just keep it? Is is the appeal of a fetish in the fact that it's not normalized? Is what, I guess what I'm trying that's to say. That's so. That's such a smart question, Nicole. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for some people it is, right? It's like, uh, oh, this song that I on occasion I listen to, and the phrase just goes over and over in my head, and it's something like, uh, it's the California Honey Drops, the song, and it says. I liked it better when it was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. sometimes that's part of it. And, um, but what I would say is we have the ability to play and you can play at something being wrong, right? Mm-hmm. It's like setting up a scene, setting yeah. up a BDSM scene, setting up a rape scene or having a gangbang fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like I, a part of that is even in a rape scene, like because it's a scene, I'm still in charge, right? Yeah. So that makes it safe. So anything that makes it feel safe, and again, that people are in agreement around, Mm -hmm. I think is good. And if it's sexy and hot for you to think that, like, you know, that you're doing something wrong, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're cheating on your husband or your partner, or, um, you know, you're not supposed to like being tied up or getting spanked, and that's part of it is, like, you want to be naughty, then by all means, yeah, go for that. But but go for it in a way that is that is clean. And yeah. what I mean by that is that's agreed upon beforehand, yeah. right? Because otherwise people get hurt. Right. That was a great segue, by the way, because as somebody who would love to have kids and especially a son one day, is there any advice that you can give me and the listeners on teaching our children and the next generation about consent? Oh, Yeah. That is a good segue, isn't it? Yeah, it was an amazing segue. I could not have planned that better. Um, I think the most important thing is that consent is around boundaries and having agency over yourself. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing we can do to our kids is not require them to submit to things. And what I mean by that is I would never say to my son, go give Aunt Rosie a kiss. Or, or let, you know, let your uncle um, tickle you, right? Mm-hmm. I would say, hey, um, hey, son, do you, are, are you feeling like um, you're in the mood to give Aunt Rosie a kiss? She would really love that. How does that feel for you, right? Like mm-hmm. giving choices. Yeah. 
do you want to be tickled or not? And if you say no, like no means no. And the right. adult has to stop, right? right? We have to grant children their own sovereignty over their bodies, yeah. right? Not make them hug, not make them, um, you know, uh, allow things to happen to themselves when they don't need to. Yeah. Uh, I saw this amazing video on Twitter and it was like these grade school kids, but I guess it was like one of those, like the first crush of your life, you know, you're like three or four. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like the guy gave the girl a kiss and the, the mom was amazing about it. She was like, did she say it was okay? And then he nodded and then it was, it was like the cutest thing. I was like, yes, I'm all, I'm here for teaching consent at a young age as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And that's another thing that like we need to talk to people about, right? Because we don't have we don't have a lot of people who model that in the world. It's a newer it's a newer concept, I yeah. think. That most of us didn't grow up with. Yeah. I think a lot of us grew up with our first kiss kind of being like just snuck on us, like planted on us. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, you know, that that scene that you see in the movies where the guys like even John Travolta does this in Greece he's like you know reaching pretending to like take his ring off or something and then he reaches his arm around and like gropes the girl's <laughs> yeah. boob you know like oops in the you know? movie theater <laughs> yeah right yeah right right like did that is that really the way it's supposed to happen and yeah. then like maybe she wanted that to happen but maybe she didn't right right and, um, and you just so, caught the feel Exactly. Totally cop to feel. Yeah. And like, and, and I think that it's really important to teach people that we do need to ask. And it's not that, you know, sometimes I hear this phrase, consent is sexy. I, I would just argue consent is mandatory because right. there are just too many of us who don't, uh, who don't feel safe, who are traumatized right. otherwise. Right. Um, and another important thing I think, Nicole, around, along those lines is this, we need to get used to both saying and hearing no and yeah. what that means, right? Yeah. Like, what does it mean as a woman to say no? And what does it sound like, you know, when somebody hears no? Like a lot of times people hear no and they take it as a rejection. Mm -hmm. And I try to coach people like when you hear no, it means that that person is taking care of themselves, right? It's not, it's really not anything to do with you. Right. It has to do with them and their boundaries. And, and that means that when they say yes, you can really trust their yes. Right. If they don't know how to say no, you, you really don't know if a yes is a hell yes, a whole body yes, or yeah. just a, just a like, yeah, okay, that'd be all right. Yeah. yeah. Which is important because I think that that kind of reluctant yes, or that yes that comes from pressure from the partner or maybe other people is mm -hmm. not far removed from abuse. I, I agree a hundred percent. And sometimes we do that to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we might say yes, but we really mean no. And we just don't know how to say no. Yeah. Especially or, if it's with a partner that we're with too, yeah. it's kind of, it blurs the line between like, uh, like I don't really want to, but he really does. And I'm a mm -hmm. good girlfriend and yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, I think it's important when you, when we start to talk about these sorts of things to think about like, how fast we can go from wanting something to happen. Like, um, let's say somebody offers to give you oral sex. Hey, yeah. babe, you want me to go down on you? And you're like, yeah, that'd feel great. And, and you want that to happen, right? You're mm -hmm. really into it. 
and then they start and maybe they're not you know doesn't feel so great it's not what you thought or they're not in the right spot yeah whatever they just somehow don't get it and so all of a sudden you're going from wanting to being willing you're like well I said yes I'm willing to let him keep going because he's you know trying to do something for me and I said yes so now I'm willing yeah and then like literally a a New York second later you could be enduring you could be like this sucks I don't want this anymore (laughs) but now you're afraid to say no or stop because you already said yes like these are the patterns that we need to break ourselves up yeah right 100%. What do you think is the most important thing to keep in mind when that happens to you? How can you, how can you be in your power enough or stay in your power enough to speak up? Or should you even speak up if that's the case? Like you, what do you think? I think you should definitely speak up because really good sex comes from both people Mm -hmm. enjoying it and being into it. And there's no point in having shitty sex. Yeah. I mean, most of us, we endure shitty sex for the sake of a relationship. And a lot of times that relationship is like, we're kind of doing a disservice to ourselves because we're training our partner Mm -hmm. to to give us something that we don't really like. And they think they're doing us a favor. Right. Right. Or that we're enjoying it. And so like the whole thing just becomes this confused, you know, terrible mess. Right. Right. Um, So I think learning how to ask for and get what you want is really crucial. Now, I also think there, that you have to choose your moments and right. you have to be careful how you say it. So like if somebody's, you know, going down on me rather than saying like, oh my God, this feels awful. Just stop. Yeah. I, I, it's going to work better. It's going to land better if I say, hey baby, that feels really, that feels nice, but this would feel even better. Like, yeah. You yeah. know? Little so like, you know, find a way to say it in a, right. in a way that will land, in a positive way. A redirect, like you would redirect a toddler. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't play with that sharp knife. Like, here, play with this shiny ball instead, right? <laughs> a little coaching, a little coaching goes a long exactly. way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that takes practice, you yeah. know? Like, we don't, we don't always know how to do that. Yeah. I've had, you know, a lot of failures along the way myself. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten better at it. What do you feel is missing in our modern day narrative or conversation about sex and sexuality? I mean, what should we, you know, be speaking more openly about? And what is something you want everybody to understand about having enjoyable, healthy, good sex? I think that um, we are capable of feeling so much more pleasure than we allow ourselves to. Mm -hmm. Most of us cut off, restrict the amount of pleasure that we allow ourselves to feel. So, um, and for lots of reasons, mostly culturally induced, Mm -hmm. um, you know, shame and guilt and not feel like feeling like we're taking too long, right? You know, all those, these things that we tell ourselves. Um, so just really opening up to pleasure, like you can feel so much more than you think you can feel. Um, and then I have a phrase that I use to help people. Um, remember the tools that they mm-hmm. have to feel more, sa- to have better sex and mm-hmm. to feel more. And that phrase is better sexy time. So like the first M in better sexy time is for mindfulness. Okay. Like just stop watching yourself receive oral sex and worrying about, you know, your double chin or how your belly looks <laughs> and really be in your body and feel what yeah. is happening. So mindfulness, um, mm-mm. The second M is movement, just inviting more movement. We, Because we grow up, most of us, masturbating, like, in silence mm-hmm. as kids. We're, like, hiding from our 
parents yeah. and hi- then hiding from roommates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like then you're hiding <laughs> from your kids. It's this never ending cycle, but like yeah. <laughs> inviting more movement and more sound is really important. Mm. So, um, be a little and then breath. open about it. Yeah. yeah. Be loud. Yeah. Be feel worthy of, you know, being inviting sound into your body, inviting yeah. movement into your body, inviting breath. Yeah. Like most of us are barely breathing enough to stay alive and yeah. we need <laughs> breath. We need lots of breath yeah. to, to move sexual energy throughout the body. Yeah. Was there another M or no? Mm-mm, better sexy time. It's mindfulness, movement, breath, sound, and touch. Ooh. Touch and talk. Okay. Before we wrap the show, we do a segment every week. It's called Weekly Weakness, all about your favorite thing of the moment. It could be a movie, a TV show, a song, a resource. What is yours? It could even be a product. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Well, uh, <laughs> the, the product that I'm harding right now is um, it's called Bachi, B-A-C-I. Okay. It's by a company called Laura DiCarlo. They're down in Bend, Oregon. Full disclosure, I was coaching for them for a couple months. I'm mm-hmm. not doing that any longer, so I'm not. This isn't a paid endorsement of any kind. <laughs> but um, but the Bachi is kind of cool because it is a like a clitoral um, stimulator, and it feels, it's got this like, I don't know how they did it, this micro robotic technology that literally feels like someone is sucking your clit. I um, have heard about this, I think. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty, it's pretty good. So <laughs> I would say that and the magic wand, which is just like I said, like my go-to classic. Yeah. Um, you know, and, favorite. And it's, it's Hitachi, right? You said Hitachi? Magic yeah, Hitachi doesn't like to. They don't. They don't have their name on it anymore. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> they don't they're really like want to be associated with that anymore. <laughs> but it is the Hitachi Magic Wand. You'll okay. see, it's like the original, and it's cordless. The only bad thing about the Magic Wand is it's not waterproof, so you can't okay. take it in the shower with you. But uh, and it's big. But I like that it's big. I'm like, this is a freaking power tool. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> This isn't about, and it's a reminder, like, it's not about being quiet and hiding your sexuality. It's about owning it. Yeah, whip it out like a sword, girl. The magic (laughs) wand. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, so that's my, those are my products. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I want to go check out the, um, the bocce. Yeah. 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 Do check it out. It's It's, it's pretty new. It's been out for like, I don't know, maybe a month or so. It has, like, a little section thing on top, right? Yeah. yeah. Ch- check it out. Check it out. Maybe you want to have somebody from them on your show. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Laura, De- Laura DiCarlo, in particular, the founder, is really amazing. Okay. And all around, all about um, closing the gender gap and women owning their owning their orgasm and their pleasure. Amazing. So, I'm going to reach Great out. alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Tell our listeners where they can find you and joyful self-love. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Joyfulselflove.com is my website. And I'm on Facebook. I'm not, I don't spend that much time on Instagram. I am a, I am there, but not very big presence there. Mm-hmm. But joyfulselflove.com is the best way to find me through Yay. the web. Thank you so Yay. much, Amy, for talking to us today. Thanks, Nicole, for helping spread this uh, important message to, you know, all the young women of the world. Yeah, you know? yeah. All, all about self-love. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Amy Weisfeld. 
If you guys enjoyed this episode or any other previous episode, please give me five stars on iTunes. I know everybody is asking you guys to give them reviews and ratings, but it really does help get the podcast out there. So yes, and it's free. So please go ahead and hit the five stars and leave a cute little comment. If you guys leave a review, you can also ask me any question and I will answer it on the show. Okay, guys, thank you so much again for coming to hang out with me this Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, have fun, and I'll catch you next week.